regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed welcome to another edition of bearing arms cam and company my name is cam edwards i'm glad you're with us today hopefully you had a good weekend wasn't too bad a little short but uh, i'm glad to be back behind the microphone once again and uh, on today's program we're going to be talking about something going on in connecticut there's a lot of stuff going on in Connecticut. Governor Ned Lamont, you know, he had uh, called last fall uh, to expand the state's ban on so-called assault weapons to include those that are currently possessed by law-abiding residents there in the uh, state. Um, his idea would be that those gun owners would have to turn in all of those firearms. Now, he got some pushback. Uh, and even a lot of Democrats in the state legislature were like, it doesn't really sound like what our priority is. So Lamont has tweaked his gun ban legislation to require um, still existing owners to uh, jump through all kinds of hoops and hurdles, uh, expanding the uh, state's existing ban. Uh, and there are a number of other uh, anti-gun measures uh, that have been proposed in the state of Connecticut. But something interesting happened last week group of mayors, most of them Democrats, in fact, I'm pretty sure all of them Democrats, uh, held a press conference with Lamont to call for, well, there's a, there actually is a little bit of gun control in this, but primarily what they want to do is put the focus on those individuals who are actually committing violent crimes. And they want to increase the penalties for certain violent crimes, as well as repeat offenders. Uh, and interestingly, uh, the Hartford Quran with a story today uh, talking about these mayors wrestling with what the data show is at the root of gun violence, chronic repeat offenders. Again, not legal gun owners, not law-abiding citizens, not Second Amendment advocates. No, repeat chronic offenders. Hartford, Connecticut had the uh, highest murder rate in decades last year. And according to the Hartford Quran, shooting suspects had long criminal records. Half of those arrested over the past three years had been arrested in the city for something else within the prior 18 months. On average, they had 10 prior arrests, three of them felonies, most are men, 70% of them between the ages of 18 and 34. Hartford data drawn from 345 gun violence incidents between January of 2019 and March 2021 shows that 85% of these suspects arrested for gun-related crimes had been convicted of gun-related crimes previously. Now, again, that doesn't mean a violent crime. It could be a possessory offense, right? But they were still convicted of violating one of Connecticut's many, many uh, gun control laws previously. Hartford Quran says last year, of the 44 people arrested in Hartford for murders or attempted murders with guns, 39% had charges pending from other crimes, but had been released from custody after posting bond. 15% were on probation. Another 5% were on parole. Of those arrested last year, 39% had prior convictions for either violent felonies or gun-related crimes. Almost, again, almost half of those individuals arrested in Hartford, prior convictions, not even prior arrests, but prior convictions for violent felonies or gun-related crimes. 
Harvard Quran says, in the cases of the most victims and shooters, only one or two of their 10 prior arrests resulted in incarceration. More than half were dismissed outright or expunged in some other way. Bottom line, according to a summary by Chief State Attorney Patrick Griffin, is that someone with a prior gun conviction is 8,000 times more likely than someone without a criminal record to be arrested for a shooting, and nearly 400 times more likely to be arrested for a shooting than other convicted felons. Which, by the way, speaks to maybe the argument uh, against uh, a blanket prohibition on gun ownership for all felons, including those convicted of nonviolent crimes. Yeah, we're looking, again, at a pretty specific cohort of individuals who are responsible for the plurality, if not a majority, of violent crime in any given community. And, and Hartford, by the way, is not particularly unique. You know, we see this same uh, set of data points uh, in cities across the country. A small number of very prolific offenders responsible for an outsized portion of violent crime in any given community. So rather than imposing all kinds of laws aimed at criminalizing a constitutional right, laws that could easily turn legal, responsible gun owners into criminals through no fault of their own, why don't we see more efforts like this aimed again at... uh, targeting those who are most likely to be the perpetrator and the victim, quite frankly, of violent crime. Why isn't something like this more popular? Well, the problem is that many Democrats don't want to fight crime with a law enforcement solution. Even if we're talking about targeted deterrence, even if we're talking about things that overall result in fewer arrests, but more arrests for more serious offenses, it is a real struggle to get Democrats to hop on board with this. And in Connecticut, that seems to be the case. Uh, State Representative Spencer Strafstrom, Bridgeport Democrat, who's House Chairman of the Legislature's Influential Judiciary Committee, uh, would not handicap the chances of the mayor's proposals being enacted, but said he, wants to, said he personally supports, quote, reasonable tweaks that enhance public safety and cut down on gun violence in our cities. He says uh, Connecticut actually saw a precipitous drop in crime over the last decades as we've been smart on crime rather than just tough on crime. And he says states like Connecticut that have stronger gun control laws but are smart on criminal justice have vastly lower rates of gun violence than states that are just tough on crime and may have more lax gun laws. That's why the committee's focus, he says, has really been on access to firearms particularly over the last several years. Again, access to firearms, meaning uh, barriers and roadblocks placed in front of everybody who wants to exercise their Second Amendment rights with the hopes that a criminal or two might be prevented from obtaining a firearm. And again, Hartford just saw the most murders last year that it's seen in at least two decades. So when Sostrom says, well, this is working, I would say, you sure about that? Because it doesn't seem like it. You had a lot of crime victims who say that the gun control laws in Connecticut are serving as no impediment whatsoever uh, for violent criminals. Meanwhile, you've got Second Amendment advocates like the Connecticut Citizens Defense League who argue, I think correctly, that these gun laws inhibit responsible residents from being able to exercise a constitutionally protected right. So I don't know what's going to happen here. You know, the mayors who are calling for basically increased penalties 
um, for repeat offenders, um, making it uh, uh, mandatory that uh, they have to post some sort of bond and are not just released uh, you know, hours after they're arrested on a particular charge. But uh, if you're talking about, again, someone with uh, repeat uh, convictions, um, that that individual would be basically seen as a danger to the community, uh, a heightened danger, uh, and would be kept in uh, jail uh, while they're awaiting trial. Perhaps a little bit easier to, to keep them behind bars while they're awaiting trial. And again, this is at least as controversial among Democrats, probably more controversial among Democrats, frankly, in Connecticut, than, again, imposing new restrictions on law-abiding gun owners, whether it's a ban on quote-unquote, high-capacity magazines, whether it's new restrictions on so-called assault weapons, whether it is cracking down on the uh, licensing process in Connecticut and imposing new requirements for those who want to, again, obtain a license to exercise their Second Amendment rights. Um, th- yeah, th- th- those measures I don't think are going to be as controversial as actually focusing on violent crime and violent criminals. Because at the end of the day, Unfortunately, uh, I think there are a lot of Democrats like uh, uh, Representative uh, Sostrom there who says that it's really not about punishing violent offenders, even repeat violent offenders, right? It's about reducing access to firearms for all, even if that means infringing on a fundamental right. So we'll keep our eyes on what's going on in Connecticut. Hopefully, I'll be able to talk with Holly Sullivan from the Connecticut Citizens Defense League here uh, in the not-too-distant future. But uh, things are definitely heating up. And unfortunately, Democrats, look, they, 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 they can go in – I guess they can go in two directions, right? They could keep going down this gun control road. They could decide to uh, put their focus on, again, perpetrators of violent crime. Or I guess they could adopt a, a kitchen sink approach and say, you know what? More gun control laws uh, and more restrictions for uh, repeat violent offenders, which, you know, isn't going to, I don't know, maybe would reduce violent crime as far as uh, keeping those violent offenders behind bars. But uh, at the expense of your right to self-defense, that's a false choice and one that lawmakers, frankly, don't need to make. They can go ahead and keep their focus and attention or maybe redirect their focus and attention uh, to those violent offenders. And leave the law about it alone. All right, let's turn our attention to today's armed citizen story, our good deed of the day, and our recidivist report. We will start there. Speaking of repeat offenders, Minnesota, a uh, Kellogg, Minnesota man charged in a shooting during a, a Rochester arrest has 10 felony convictions to his name. Yeah. And again, Minnesota Democrats, they've got a uh, one seat majority in the state Senate. It's actually the DFL, the Democrat Farmer Labor uh, Party. They are pushing hard. We just spoke uh, last week or wrote about uh, a a bill that the Minnesota Gun Owners Caucus uh, says would, in essence, eradicate uh, the right to keep and bear arms. It's an omnibus gun control bill. uh, Everything from, again, uh, licensing standards, mental health checks, physical health checks before you can obtain a firearm, permit to purchase, all kinds of uh, uh, bans of uh, so-called large capacity magazines, and again, uh, so-called assault weapons, new restrictions on uh, semi-automatic firearms. All of which, again, aimed at legal gun owners, aimed at reducing access to firearms, reducing access to a fundamental civil right. And meanwhile, you've got guys like David Collier, 
33 years old. Again, 10 felony convictions to his name. And now he's been arraigned on four felony charges, as well as three gross misdemeanor counts in connection to an incident uh, last week. Charges say that he fired a single shot into the ground while he was attempting to raise a gun that he withdrew from his pocket uh, in a shooting position. Charges say an officer got a hand on the barrel before Collier could fire at police. He's also accused of pulling the trigger of a taser holstered on one of the arresting officers. Now, according to uh, KROC in Rochester, Minnesota, Court records indicate that Collier has a criminal record that dates back more than a decade to 2010. Includes 10 felony convictions for burglary, drug possession, and other crimes in uh, a number of Minnesota counties. One of the more uh, high-profile arrests, according to KROC, happened in 2015 when Collier led local authorities on a 15-mile-long high-speed chase in a stolen pickup truck. That chase ended when a state trooper fired three shots into the vehicle after uh, Collier crashed head-on into a, a state patrol squad car and then tried to ram another law enforcement vehicle. Don't know how long Collier was behind bars for that crime, but it could have been too long because uh, 2021, he was convicted of a, a felony fleeing charge and was actually wanted on two active probation violation warrants one of which stemming from that 2021 conviction in Wabasha County. So again, 10 felony convictions. Some fairly serious crimes here. And yet time and time and time again, court records show that this 33-year-old David Collier was given a slap on the wrist and sent back on the streets. Now, he is prohibited by law from possessing a firearm. He was illegally doing so. And again, none of the gun control measures introduced in Minnesota this year would have prevented David Collier from stealing a gun or illegally obtaining one. Instead, all of those measures aimed at making it much more difficult for responsible individuals to protect themselves from people like David Collier. Uh, all right. Uh, today's uh, armed citizen story from uh, California where police say a uh, man in Union City shot another individual that he witnessed stabbing a woman. Excuse me, I said the California. This is Union City, Georgia. Uh, Union's police praising a neighbor. They say stopped a man who stabbed three women early Saturday morning. Josh Dobbs spoke with uh, Fox 5's uh, Kim Loeffler in Georgia. He said, I just couldn't sit there and watch and hear what was going on. He said he uh, had heard what he correctly assumed were a woman's screams coming from uh, the Hidden Lake apartment complex. Turned out, uh, according to police, that two women had already been attacked. And Dobbs just happened to step outside when the third victim was being uh, stabbed by her attacker. One of the victims managed to call Union City Police for help. Uh, Prentice Brooks uh, of the Union Police Department says officers responded to that location where they observed a female lying outside in between cars who had also been stabbed, as well as two subjects behind the apartment. One had been stabbed, and it appeared the other had been shot. The police say the person who was shot was actually the suspect accused of stabbing the women. Uh, Captain Brooks says, as the male subject was assaulting these female subjects with a knife, an onlooker saw the assault taking place. He stepped up and stopped the threat. He did shoot the suspect. Unfortunately, one of the women succumbed to her injuries in the attack. But the uh, captain says, we commend the armed citizen, quote, for what he did and stepping up 
As for Josh Dobbs, he says, I have a daughter and I have a lot of respect for females and everything. So I was just doing the right thing and stepping up. Police say they are still investigating right now. They say this appears to be a domestic dispute uh, that turned violent. And again, could very well have been far worse were it not for the uh, quick thinking and fast actions of just Josh Dobbs uh, stepping in and again, stopping that attack, saving at least a two of those women there in Georgia. Finally today, our good deed of the day, in the right place, at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing, a uh, Long Island man who helped a grandmother chase down a stolen SUV with her grandbaby inside. Yeah, I see. we had a story like this last week too, didn't we? Mm-hmm. And here's another one. So here's a, a simple reminder. If you have your kid in your car, first of all, when you leave your car, you're just, I'm just running into the store. Turn off your car, lock your car. You have a kid inside your car, turn off the car, lock the car. Maybe take your kid out of the car and bring the kid in with you. I know they get everywhere and they're all covered in mucus and stuff. That doesn't matter. Take your kid with you because it doesn't matter where you are. You don't have to live in a crappy neighborhood in Chicago to be the victim of a violent crime. Uh, or in this case, a victim of a crime that could very well have ended up um, with the injury of a child. This was out in Long Island. Um, the grandmother said that she ran into a store on Valentine's Day, like a little quickie convenience mart. She said she actually thought she locked the doors. Um, and her grandchild was sleeping in the back seat, which is why she didn't want to wake him up and bring him in. Apparently, she didn't lock the back doors or the uh, car doors. And when she stepped out with the car running, uh, authorities say 55-year-old Paul Ludeman, who was loitering near the store, saw the opportunity to get behind the wheel, and he did. And he took off. Bill Gorga was uh, getting ready to buy some champagne for Valentine's Day for his wife when he saw the man jump into the SUV and then drive off. Grandmother also noticed her vehicle suddenly begin to drive away, so she runs outside, frantic, as you can imagine. And uh, Bill Gorga said, uh, he knew he had to act. He said, open up the passenger door and says, get in. We're going to go get the baby. So they actually chased after the SUV. They were able to cut him off about a half mile up the road, and that's when the grandmother jumped out, running up to the SUV, actually managed to get inside the passenger door, but Ludeman allegedly took off again, this time with the grandmother and the baby inside. Uh, Gorga continued following the man. He managed to cut Ludeman off again, at which point the grandmother and the baby were able to safely get out of the SUV. Gorga says, who knows where he would have went? Uh, baby's grandmother thanked him for his help. He says to do it all over again. She, he said, uh, she said, thank you. Give me a big hug and a kiss. Uh, Ludeman, meanwhile, continued to drive away once the uh, grandmother and the baby were out of the vehicle uh, at some point going twice the posted speed limit, disregarding traffic signs, eventually hit a guardrail and was arrested shortly afterwards. Uh, right now, he is being held on charges of grand larceny and aggravated driving while intoxicated with a child in the car. Ludeman, by the way, also has previous convictions for DUI and grand larceny. Thankfully, again, the story has a uh, happy ending, thanks to uh, Bill Gorga, in the right place, at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing to help a uh, frantic grandmother and a uh, grandchild get reunited. So we thank you, sir, for your very, very 
could be. All right, that is about all the time we've got for you on this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. I do want to thank you for joining me on the program as well. Looking forward to being back with you again tomorrow. Don't forget to check out BearingArms.com throughout the day. We're keeping you up to date on all of the latest Second Amendment news and information, and there is a lot to cover these days. If you like what you see in terms of our reporting, I would also encourage you to become a VIP member. Just go to BearingArms.com slash subscribe. Use the promo code GUNRIGHTS. And you can get a significant savings on your VIP membership. Not only will you get that warm, fuzzy feeling of knowing that you're supporting the independent pro-segment journalism that we do at uh, Barry and Arms, but we're going to give you exclusive news stories and analysis you won't find anywhere else because your support does matter and it really does make a difference. So thank you again. Looking forward to being with you again tomorrow. Until then, enjoy the rest of your uh, Back to Work Monday. Be well. Be safe. And be free.